keep your eyes on Israel because things are happening around the world very rapidly. And uh, we are on the brink, really, of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it's coming very, he's coming very soon. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode with Pastor Scott Huffman from Lighthouse Church Ministries. You can find out more about our church by going to lnlighthouse.org. We broadcast live every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Facebook and Instagram. Did you know that Pastor Scott's podcast was ranked in the top 10% most listened to by Listen Notes, a service that evaluates over 2.4 million public podcasts around the world? That's pretty amazing, right? So with that, subscribe to this podcast and send it to your friends and family. Today's message comes from the backyard. Pastor Scott is joined with his wife, Marilyn, and daughter, Casey, and the message is titled, Joshua, a Man of Courage. Hello, world. Hello, USA. Welcome to our live broadcast coming to you from sunny Southern California. Blessings and grace and joy and peace be upon you this day. We're glad you joined us. We're going to have a great time in the Lord. Praise God. May the goodness and kindness of God be upon us all. Goodness gives birth to kindness and kindness gives birth to true agape love. Say this with me. I would rather spend a minute with Jesus I'd rather spend a minute with Jesus than a lifetime with this world. Than a lifetime with this world. We've been teaching on the great personalities in the Old Testament, those who lived a great life of faith and conquest. Today we want to look at Joshua, a man of faith and courage. But first, Casey has a few quick words to share with you. Yeah, hello and welcome. Um, thank you for joining us today. And like my dad said, it's the most important thing that you can do in your life is to hear the word of God. Amen. Um, and just did you know it's Pastor Appreciation Day? It is. Yeah. So Whoa. we want to say um, thank you. Praise God for all the pastors. Pastor slash dad for all you do. And um, I just jotted down a few things I'm thankful for. So I'm personally thankful for my pastor because he continually helps me to grow and his messages strengthen my faith. Praise God. I'm thankful for the faith, his faithfulness and um, his heart for the Lord. Um, you answer my questions, encourage me to stay close to the Lord and search the deeper things of the Lord. Amen. So I know I'm not the only one. Um, I encourage you to write a comment, whether it's, bless you pastor um a specific thing he's helped you with or encouraged you um or just show your appreciation so today i encourage you to write something in the comments on how much we love our pastor um scott huffman i too am thankful for pastor scott's heart for the lord the calling on his life and his faithfulness to the ministry thank you very much casey yeah. love and you and we bless dad and um his greater greatest days are ahead of him in amen Jesus name. praise god as we preach the gospel around the world. Yes. And back right. to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's turn to Joshua 1.6. Yes. Be strong and of good courage. For this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you for the gift of faith. We thank you for the working of miracles, uh, the gift of the word of knowledge and word of wisdom. Lord, we just pray that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would flow as we worship you, Lord, in the Spirit, as we receive the Word of God, as we are changed thereby. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's begin with this. What is courage? 
We hear the word being tossed around a lot, but what does it really mean? Webster's Dictionary defines courage as the ability to do something that frightens one or frightens you. So if that is true, then we can assume courage is not a feeling, but rather an action. You may feel afraid, but you can still be courageous in all you face in life. From a biblical perspective, courage is a confidence that God will do what he has promised to do for you. God commanded Joshua to be strong and of great courage. Today we want to look at his life, Joshua's life of faith, courage, and the victory he walked in in every endeavor of life. God promised to give him great success, and the Lord was with him wherever he went. How's that? The Bible says the Lord was with David wherever he went. Hallelujah. Let's look at Joshua 1 and 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. I remember I, I was walking across <clears throat> the quad at Gar High School. Where's Gar High School? Cerritos, California, in Southern California. And the Lord gave me that verse, wherever the feet, wherever your feet tread, I've given it to you. That was years ago. But God's promises remain forever. And uh, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. All right, Casey, let's read 8 and 9. Okay. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord is with you wherever you go. Amen. You know, a lot of people have a misunderstanding of success and uh, the world has its definition and God has his definition. But if you do it God's way, God says he'll make you successful in every endeavor of life. I don't know about you, but I want to be successful. And the word of God says, meditate in the word day and night. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou may observe the doing according to all that is written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have what? Good success. Good success. You know, Joshua in the Bible began his life in Egypt as a slave. That's a tough way to begin life under cruel Egyptian taskmasters. But he rose to become one of the greatest leaders of Israel through faith and obedience to God. As a successor to Moses, Joshua led the people of Israel into the promised land of Canaan. The story of Joshua begins out in the wilderness alongside the servant of the Lord. And what was his name? Moses. We talked about Moses a few weeks ago. Joshua, the younger man, becomes Moses' right-hand man. And eventually his successor, as we mentioned, being prepared for this task he will face. Joshua was anointed in a very similar way as Moses. Remember, God came to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3 and said, take off your shoes for the place you are on is holy ground. Now let's look at Joshua 5 and let's read the story of how Joshua met Jesus. Mom, I, do you want me to do it? It's at the end of Joshua 5, five. yes. Okay. Um, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword. How weird. A drawn, man stood there. huh? A sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but a commander of the army of the Lord. And I, I have now come. And Joshua fell to his face on the earth and worshiped and said to him, Why does my Lord say to his, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off of your feet, for this place where you stand is holy. So here's the calling of Joshua. 
a holy calling, just like Moses. God revealed to Moses himself in a fire, a flaming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And revealed himself to Joshua as commander of the Lord's army. Our God is a mighty warrior. And he was calling Joshua to this anointing of being a warrior in the things of God. We're all called to battle in the spirit, amen, and to put on the whole armor of God. Now, Joshua went with Moses to the Mount Sinai to receive the law of God, the Decalogue, or the Ten Commandments. Let's take a look at that narrative in Exodus 24, 13, and 17. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. The, the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up to the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize that Joshua went with Moses mm -hmm. to Mount Sinai up on the mountain to receive the Decalogue. Now, Joshua had to remain back a little portion of the way, back down the trail, if you will. But he was up there in the glory of God in the presence of God, in the fire of God, right? And receiving that anointing of the Holy Spirit and observing what God was doing through the servant of the Lord Moses. As a military leader, Joshua would be considered one of the greatest generals in human history. But it would be a mistake to credit Israel's victory solely to Joshua's skill as a military giant or general. The first time we see Joshua, he's in Exodus 17, in the battle against the Amalekites. Now, Exodus 17, 13 tells us that Joshua overwhelmed the Malik, um, Al, Amalekites with his people and were tempted to conclude that Joshua's military expertise saved the day. But in this passage, we see something odd occurring. In verse 11, we read, Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. Eventually, Moses' arms grew tired and weary, so they had to put a stone under his arms and, he, and for him to hold his arms up in the air. And Aaron and Ur held his hands up. Here we see in this vignette that Joshua prevailed because God gave him the battle through the power of the Spirit. Further evidence of Joshua's leadership qualities can be seen in his rock-solid faith in God. When the Israelites were in the land or at the edge of the Promised Land, in Numbers 13, God commanded Moses to send out 12 tribes, each one from the 12 tribes of Israel, each spy. And they went into the land, and they found a land that was very prosperous, and it flowed milk and honey, and there were pomegranate uh, fruits, and there was uh, fig trees and olive trees, and there were grape uh, vines, and it was a prosperous land just as God had promised. But they noticed that it was occupied by strong and fierce warriors dwelling in the land, fortified cities, and the Nephilim were these Israelite or were these giants that the Israelites, from their perspective, said were just grasshoppers in their sight, and uh, it caused their faith to wane, and they moved into a place of unbelief. But Joshua and Caleb were different; they had a different spirit. And they were people of men and of faith. And they urged the people to take the land. Let's look at Numbers 14, 6 through 10. Um, 
But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread, their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children so, of Israel. So we see here that Joshua and Caleb were men of faith. Yeah. And they believed the word of the Lord. You see, the word will only work for you if you mix it with faith, if you believe it. If you don't believe it, it's not going to work for you. But they believed God's word that God would be faithful to protect them as they enter into the promised land. They were men of faith. They had a different spirit. And we see that Joshua and Caleb were set apart. And it's interesting. They're the only two guys of the older generation that went into the promised land. Everybody else died because of unbelief. Uh, but Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land because they believed. That sets them apart. They believed in the promises of God. And all the promises of God are yes and amen. And amen. They were not intimidated by the size of the warriors or the strength of the cities. We cannot be intimidated by our circumstances. Sometimes our circumstances stare us down, don't they? They challenge us and they try to defeat us. But we've got to stand against those circumstances and against the storms of this life and believe in faith that God will deliver us and we'll be overcomers in this life. Hallelujah. They knew their God remembered them and they remember how he had dealt with Egypt the most powerful nation on the earth at that time. If God could take care of the mighty Egyptian army, he could certainly take care of the various Canaanite tribes. God rewarded Joshua and Caleb's faith by exempting them from the entire generation of Israelites that would perish in the wilderness. The body says their corpses, or the Bible says their corpses fell in the wilderness. But Joshua and Caleb entered in to the fullness of the blessing of God. You see, Moses represents the life of bondage under the law. And in contrast, Joshua, or Yahshua, which means Jesus saves or Jehovah saves, represents the life of grace, freedom, and the law of the spirit of life found in Christ Jesus. Let's look at Gospel of John 1.17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And then Romans 8.1 and 2, perhaps my two favorite verses in the Bible. Therefore, or sorry, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. There's no guilt to those who are in Christ Jesus. And we've been removed from the penalty of guilt. And it's been removed on the cross of Calvary's cross. Jesus bore it for us. And so we're no longer under condemnation or guilt. And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. See, the, the world is in bondage to the law of sin and death. But we've been freed from that law, and now we have a higher law that supersedes the lower law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit. And it overcomes the law of religion or the law of the flesh. The letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. Let's take a look at Galatians chapter 4. We're going to walk through this a little bit. Verse 21, we just read the first verse. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? You know, when I first became a Christian, there were a group of believers who 
tried to bring other Christians under the law. And unfortunately, they tried to put me under the law and uh, tried to make me religious. And there was something inside me that resisted that. It didn't feel right that I should feel like I have to be under this bondage, this law. And uh, this is exactly what was happening during this time of Paul writing to the church at Galatia. And these Judaizers were trying to put believers under the law. And Paul said, that's a no-no. Don't do that. Continue. Um, for it was written that Abraham had two sons, the one a bondwoman and the other by a free Well, who woman. were the two sons? Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael represents the law of bondage, the law of the flesh, right? And uh, the law of slavery. And Isaac is the child of promise, the child of blessing, the child of the spirit. Freedom, yeah. And you can see the contrast between the two. Go ahead, sweetie. But he who was of bondage of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. Amen. And we are born of the free woman, free woman, who is Sarah, yeah. and which is Jerusalem, which is above and free. And we walk in the things of the spirit, and we are no longer under the bondage of the flesh or the law or religion, but we're in the freedom of the spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. One more verse. Um, for these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this is Hagar, the Mount Sinai in Arabia, and corrects um, and corresponds to Jerusalem, which is now and is the bondage of her children. But Jerusalem is free, which is the mother of us all. Everybody say that. Jerusalem is free. Jerusalem from above, where God dwells in the third heaven. And that's where we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Praise God. We're no longer under the burden of religion and sin, but we've been delivered from that. And now we're in the life of the Spirit, the life of freedom and grace and blessing. Hallelujah. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through faith in Jesus Christ. We are heirs of Abraham through the blessing that's come upon us through his obedience. Hallelujah. The primary lesson to draw from Joshua's life is that God is faithful to his promises. God promised Abraham that his descendants would dwell in the land. You know, we were just watching a program the other day. Very interesting. It was a, a news program coming from Israel uh, right at the Mount Olive site. Uh, very interesting. What's going on in the world is pretty amazing today. There's a lot of interesting things happening. But Israel remains at the hub, the center of things. Keep your eyes on Israel, because things are happening around the world very rapidly. And uh, we are on the brink, really, of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it's coming very, he's coming very soon. And things are coming to a climax. And uh, we're to keep our eyes upon Israel. And Mount Sinai, really, the city of God, where God dwells. Praise God. Now, God promised Abraham that his descendants would dwell in the land. Under Joshua, we see that God brought the people into the land that he had promised to give them. He was faithful. And he also gave them his rest. And guys, we need the rest of God in our life. Let's look at Joshua 1.13. Remember the, the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Praise God. This act completed the mission of redemption that God started with Moses in bringing Israel out of Egypt, which is a type of the world, into the wilderness where they could worship the Lord. It's also a type and shadow that points to the ultimate redemption that Jesus brings to the community of faith, that's us. Jesus delivered us 
from bondage and slavery to sin by removing our sin forever and perfecting us into his very likeness and image. Hallelujah. So on the inside, in the new man, in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things are brand new. You are in the likeness of God. The new creation is like God on the inside. Praise God. Like Joshua, Jesus can bring us into our Sabbath rest if we receive it by faith. There is a promise for us as believers to enter in to the believer's faith rest, as Joshua gave the example. The older generation, as we mentioned, did not enter into the land of promise because of unbelief and doubt. The word must be mixed with faith to receive from God. And this is so important because many Christians miss this. They miss out on the life of faith, the faith rest that we have in Christ. And they miss out, and they're still wandering out in the wilderness, in the place of religion and deadness. And they're not alive in God. And they've missed it. So what is the believer's faith rest? Well, let's look at Hebrews 4, 8 through 10. It explains it. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. Okay, let's stop there. So when Joshua took the people into the land, if that was all there was to it, they went into the land, that would be it. Mm -hmm. But there was a greater promise to come. The believer's faith rest. And the key is the word of God must be received in faith under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And once you receive that word, you can enter into God's rest. Okay, Marilyn, continue. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works. As Stop God there. Did now, that's so him. important because here it is. When you enter into the rest of God, you cease from your works and you enter into his work, enter into his rest. So many times we try so hard as believers to perform the Christian life and it becomes performance. And that's not what it's about. It's receiving the promises of God, the blessing of God, entering into his rest, ceasing from our works and entering into his rest and into his work. And it is a rest of faith. Hallelujah. And once you come to that revelation, your whole Christian experience changes. The key again is the word of God working in our lives. Let's look at Hebrews 4.12. Um, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. So the word of God is alive. It is to receive the word of God and believe the word of God and act on that word. Our lives will change for the better. Praise God. Like Joshua, let's enter into his divine rest. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you and praise you for the divine rest we have in God. We thank you for the freedom we have in Jesus, Lord. We pray now, Lord, for believers that they would be uh, given the desire to enter into the believer's faith rest, that they would cease from their works and enter into your rest, Lord, we pray. Now for those that don't know Christ and you're out there and you've never come to God, you've never come to Christ and you're, you're listening, and you're watching, now's your time. If that's you, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for doing the wrong thing. I turn my life around, and I give it to you. I ask you to come in and be my personal Lord and Savior. I receive you now into my life. In your precious name, I pray. And for those believers, you've slipped away. You're not walking with God. You're not serving God. God is calling you back to an intimate and close relationship with him. Pray this prayer if that's you. Lord Jesus, come near to me as I draw near to you. I love you. I worship you. I bless you now. Come close to me, I pray in your precious name. 
Amen. Well, praise God. We hope you prayed those prayers. We hope you're blessed. We hope you're entering into the believer's faith rest and living a life of courage and blessing. Amen. Well, let the peace of God be upon you guys. Be blessed. Be strengthened in God. Be, uh, be courageous for God. Amen. Well, blessings to you. We'll see you this week for my mini broadcast. See you soon. God bless you. 